You're listening to the National Edgar Allan Poe Theater on the Air. Sponsored in part by Baltimore's own Raven Beer, this ongoing series brings to your ears the best-known works from America's revered grandfather of horror and suspense. From room to room in the asylum of the mysterious Dr. Mallard, Poe's wretched souls describe their awful tales while they await the doctor's revolutionary system to treat and cure the mentally crippled. In today's episode, the National Edgar Allan Poe Theatre on the Air takes on part one in a two-part adaptation of Poe's tale of madness and the supernatural, The Fall of the House of Usher. In our last episode, Hopfrog, we learned about intrigue, vengeance, and death in the royal court. Now I can explain why tar and flax were my preferred choice for your costumes. What do you suppose happens when tar and dried flax comes in contact with the fire from, oh, say, a torch? It burns. Now, Professor Mallard leads us down the hall for a conversation with another of his children. Please, this way. My next patient might seem quite, what's the word? Uh, Yes, normal. Some of my other children, well, you've seen for yourself the glint of evident madness in their eye, the twisted smile, the tremens in their hands, but not this next gentleman. Affable, self-aware, in fact, frequently despicably over-familiar. But do not be fooled. A darkness blights his essence, and say the magic word, rest assured, the insidious canker that infects his soul will appear. Ah, doctor, how good it is to see you. And not alone, I see. Enchanté. Yes, yes, we have a special guest interested in my method. Oh, indeed. Well, don't let the good doctor bore you senseless. And make sure you get a word in edgewise. The doctor is not always open to opinion, but I give him a good run for his money. Do I not, Dr. Mallard? Yes, you will find that our gentleman is quite adjusted to life in my institution, are you not? Yes, yes, of course. (laughs) You see, I am an educated man. Incarceration holds no fear for me, as long as I have my books to read and paper to write upon, and (laughs) the rich confines of my mind. Believe me, I had far worse lodgings when I was a student in my college days. (laughs) Far worse. And look... The walls are strong and secure. It gives me undisturbed tranquility. Nothing to interrupt the journeys within my mind. But one thing perturbs me. Yes? I won't ask you, doctor. You never tell me. But perhaps our guest can tell me. Has the doctor told you what is behind this locked door? Mysterious, is it not? A locked wooden door in my cell. What does its threshold reveal? A luxurious boudoir? A bountiful garden? A scented bathhouse serviced by voluptuous slaves? Sometimes I swear I detect perfume when in a half-slumber. Can that be possible? Most unlikely. Of course, it's just another cell. I've knocked upon the door repeatedly, and no one answers. But one time, I swear I heard singing. A beautiful voice unknown to me. But then, I awoke. And so it was a dream. Yes, yes, I suppose. (laughs) But more importantly, Doctor, when will this mysterious door be opened? Is it dependent on my good behavior? (laughs) Seriously, Doctor, unlock the door. Perhaps there'd be a waft of fresher air. Out of the question for now. Oh, such a tease. (laughs) Well, I am a man of great patience. I will savor the anticipation. If he tells you, let me be the first to know. 
Enough of that, Doctor. I've been dying to ask you. Have you secured that scientific paper I recommended to you? Paper? Yes. Johannes Davidson's articulation of the physiology of the brain as the atlas of alchemical humors and its link to melancholy. Groundbreaking stuff. I'm surprised you haven't come across it long before now. No, no, I can't say I have. It's a standard on the topic. Yes, so you say. You should read it. It'll inform your system, old boy. I read it in college, in my freshman year. Yes, well, I don't always have time to read when I am busy writing, putting my revolutionary system into a definitive account. (laughs) Oh, doctor, I shouldn't bait you so. Don't take it so seriously. Consider it banter between learned scholars, equal in standing and attainment. We are the best of friends. Disgraceful wretch. I should explain more about myself to our most welcome guest. As I have told you, I am an educated man. Studied medicine, like our dear friend the doctor, but became so interested in the theoretical, may I even say moral, dimensions to the discipline that I shifted into the study of physical science while maintaining my scholarship into ethical philosophy. I was a first-rate medic, foremost at the academy prior to my transmutation into a philosopher of physics. I was known at universities everywhere, Oxford, Paris, Berlin, friends, rivals, academic acquaintances, the world over. And one particular lifelong friend, hmm? Sorry, old chap. I don't catch your drift. I have many friends. We'll get to it by and by. In your case, all roads lead to, well, not so much to Rome as to a certain house, do they not? I... Uh, no matter, I... dear chap. So do tell me, how have you been spending your time today? Me? Oh, the usual. Working on my journal and my correspondence. Ah, by the way, Doctor, I must say that not many, in fact none, of my letters seem to receive a reply. I'm a little perturbed, as my friends are fastidious, energetic writers of letters, scholars to a one, you see. They relish bespoke notepaper and a well-balanced pen, but I am still waiting for a single reply. I hate to ask, but you do send them, don't you? But of course, what a thing to imply. It's uh, simply the post office, not what it should be. Besides, there is a risk with letters, is there not? I don't follow. Yes, yes, you do, if you put your mind to it. This is how it all began, is it not? It's what brought you here. A letter, a simple letter, that landed upon your desk. A letter. Good heavens, yes, you're right, Doctor. You are always right. It was a letter that landed upon my desk. Perhaps my life is truly marked by the time before and after that letter and that house. Tell our guest, tell our guest about the letter. Yes, the letter. I broke the seal and opened it. The script was hard to penetrate, drafted by someone in delirium. I scanned to the end to see the signatory. The name emerged like a sepulcher through the mist. Roderick Roderick. Usher. Usher. It chimed less as cognizance, but as a feeling. Roderick Usher. Roderick Usher. Usher. Then it struck me like lightning. Usher! I had known him at university. We had been fellow scholars. We had for a while even been friends. I not thought of him for 20 years. I remember him as timid, but clearly of noble lineage, an ancient family, distinguished. He spoke tacitly of an ancestral pile. 
unique fellow, all told. An acute and original mind. Extraordinary knowledge of every facet of philosophy when he dared to divulge it. His knowledge would put us both to shame, Doctor. But only in the obscure, arcane knowledge of the ancients, from what you've said before. No pioneering knowledge within that skull. <laughs> yes, quite. In the letter, he spoke of acute bodily illness, of a mental disorder which oppressed him. He desired to see me, describing me as his best, and indeed his only friend. He believed my knowledge in physical science might be beneficial, but much more, he believed the cheerfulness of my society could do nothing other than alleviate his malady. Believe me, the request came from the heart. How could I refuse? How could I hesitate? Accordingly, I obeyed that very singular summons. I ventured out, having deciphered the cryptic instructions that Usher had afforded me as orientation. It took me many days, and each evening the sun declined earlier and rose later in the dawn. I felt I shifted away from civilization, into the past, maybe, into a twilight realm of being, perhaps. One night, I sojourned at an inn. Here you go. Some ale, sir. That is fortifying. Uh, traveling far, sir? I believe I am near my destination. Another day's travel from what I can surmise. The abode of a friend of mine, the House of Usher. The House of Usher? Uh, yes. Stately, I imagine. Grandiose. Didn't know it was still there. Father? Father! What is it now? A gentleman on his travels... Oh, I... Says he's going to the House of Usher. You must be an artist of a gothic leaning, sir. I don't follow. They're going to paint the ruins in autumnal decay, are we? <laughs> ruins? You must be mistaken. My friend lives there. <laughs> it must be a cave-dwelling hermit. <laughs> hey, John, the fellow here is planning to stay in the House of Usher. <laughs> must want to be a hermit? <laughs> I know, that's what I said. <laughs> Here's your food, sir. <laughs> Thank you. A cave-dwelling hermit. Thank you. Cave-dweller. Is it possible to eat in my room? You don't enjoy the companionship here, sir? It's just a hermit. Good one. Let's just... Let's just say the company is suited for the countryside. The House of Usher! Cave! <laughs> hermit! Oh, it's hermit. My estimate was correct. I was near my fateful destination, and so it was at the end of a dull, dark, and soundless day, the clouds hanging oppressively low in the heavens, light vanishing into the shades of the evening, that I found myself within view of the melancholy House of Usher. Hello! Hello there! Hello? You must be the guest the master's been anticipating. I think I must be. Well, allow me to take your horse, good sir. Very well, thank you. Yes, there we are. <laughs> you may walk towards the causeway. Well, one thing is bountifully clear. Yes, sir. This is no ruin. I do not follow, sir. At the tavern yesterday, the locals insisted that the House of Usher was a ruin. No, sir. This is the ancestral seat of the Ushers, a distinguished family. Oh, blast! What? What is this? 
a lake so near the house? I almost fell in. The grasses obscure the edge of the water here. Yes, be careful of the lake, sir. Its waters are unforgiving. That much is clear. Black and lurid. Short walk across the causeway, sir. Then you will arrive at the master's house. He has been expecting you. It sounds enchanting. A picturesque mansion. Friends of noble blood. Quite the romance. No, 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 no. I want to make one thing clear about the house. Was it discolored by age? Yes. Overspread with fungus? Absolutely. But no portion of the masonry had fallen, even if many of the individual stones were in a crumbling condition. Perhaps an architect or a master builder would have detected a fatal fissure zigzagging down the walls to the lake. But not I. So, despite the crass verdict of the insufferable townsfolk, the House of Usher was not a ruin. But the sentiment it evoked was nothing short of ruinous. Ruinous sentiment? How can that be? Take care not to confuse our guest. The first glimpse of the building engendered a sense of insufferable gloom. It, it pervaded my spirit like a decay. There was nothing poetic, no strange beauty in the desolation. I still can see the bleak walls, the vacant eye-like windows... It rendered me into an utter despair of soul, which I can only compare to the afterdream of opium. Opium. (laughs) Our friend must be referring to past experience, of course. No opiates of any kind in my institute. A sinking, sickening of the heart. But, but, this was a home of a long-lost friend. The thought gave spur to my spirit as I walked across the courtyard towards the gothic-arched entrance. Doctor, the shape of the portal was not dissimilar to this ever-locked door in my commodious cell. No, Dr. Mallard? You really should read that paper by Johannes. Davidson, yes, I'm sure it's fascinating, but we'll have none of this now. Continue your account. But... Continue your account or we shall depart. Very well, then. A valet opened the door and conducted me, soundless and stealthily, through many dark and intricate passages toward his master. What was it like inside Usher's house? I beheld many surroundings in mortal disquiet. The carvings on the ceiling, the tapestries on the walls, the ebony blackness of the floors. Like a gothic novel, can this even be real? And the phantasmic armorial trophies which rattled as I strode by. Suddenly, I found myself alone and before a door. A door, also not unlike the mysterious door here. Continue. I seized the handle and... Hello? My friend. My dear best friend. Roderick? I cannot see you in the gloom. Yes, over here. I am Roderick. I am Roderick Usher. (laughs) Sorry. 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 I received your letter. And you did not fail me. How could I? I knew you would not. How was your journey? How was the traveling in the autumn of the year? Oh, sublime? Melancholic? Wearisome? Oh, I now you simply must tell me, how is your horse? My oh, horse? How, well, how has your life been in the decades since we met? I often I, recall our uh, university years with the most exquisite fondness. 
Richard, do you still... Well, Roderick, so many questions. Where do I begin? Uh, Yes, yes, yes. So much life to catch up upon. And we have time. Do we, my friend? Roderick, I'd forgotten your musical prowess. I have always harbored a passionate devotion to the intricacies of musical science. Every science, dear Roderick. I recall your fervid interest enabled you to excel in every school of learning. (laughs) I blush. I blush. Uh, Another piece of music? Uh, This time... No, Roderick. Perhaps not just yet. I think it is time we discussed your letter. My letter? Yes, your letter. You wrote to me in urgency, and I abandoned all my affairs. Apologies, dear friend. Your presence has been in itself a solace and a solve, a draught of blissful amnesia. What is the object of my visit? You must understand I am afflicted. Yes, your letter said you were ill. A constitutional evil that has infected every generation of my family. Please note, a mere nervous affliction, that is all. Nonetheless, I despair to find a remedy. I have a morbid acuteness of the senses. I can only wear garments of certain fabrics that are as gentle as a spider web. I can only abide insipid food. Tonight, while you shall eat the finest cuisine my servants can prepare, I will sup on watered-down gruel. Even the odors of fresh flowers are to me oppressive and noxious like the air of an unlocked tomb. My eyes are tortured by the faintest light. Only music can occlude the unnatural acuteness of hearing that torments me. Then you need to see a doctor. If only my assistance had been called, I would have loved to have welcomed Mr. Usher into my institution. Imagine testing the honesty of his account. Were his ears genuinely so sensitive, his sense of smell authentically so acute, his flesh so fragile, I would soon ascertain the veracity of his claims. Perhaps, Doctor. But more importantly, aren't you forgetting something or someone? Doctor? For you were not alone with Roderick, were you? It was not the letter, the friendship, the journey to decaying Gothic mansions that brought you here, now was it? Doctor. You were not alone, and I am not referring to the servants. Recount your tale. I think I cannot. You can and you shall. You must. You, my friend, shall help me. But, Roderick, you forget that I moved from the study of medicine into other pursuits. But your knowledge, your compassion, you are my best friend. But what can I do? It is difficult to live like this, I imagine. I shall perish. I must perish in this deplorable folly. Thus, thus, and not otherwise shall I be lost. In this unnerved and pitiable condition, I feel that the period will sooner or later arrive when I must abandon life and reason together in some struggle with the grim phantasm. Fear. Who is this... this lady? My sister... The Lady Madeline. Madeline? Yes, yes, my sister. I did not know you had a sister. Of course you did. We spoke often of her in our college days. Did we? I... Madeline? Madeline! Yes, Roderick? You recall my dear friend from university? Oh, yes. Your friend has come at last. Our friend Madeline 
our friend. Then it is as you said, Roderick. From now on, all will be well. Good. Good. I shall sing for you. Later. We have all time before us. Yes. I must rest. I should rest. Good. Good. Uh, Go and rest, Lady Madeline. You are quiet, my friend. I, uh, your sister, is she unwell? She looks almost spectral. My beloved sister, my sole companion. Her demise will leave me last of the ushers. But perhaps you can help. Her disease has baffled the skill of any physician, a wasting away of the person to the point she is the wraith you see now. There, there must be some recourse. Yes. Yes, there is. You, my friend, your scientific knowledge, your acute wisdom, your friendship. And did your scientific knowledge help? Uh, And, oh, your friendship? I did what I could to help. Hmm. Who did you help? Roderick Usher. We had been fellow scholars at university. And anyone else? Most of the time was spent with Roderick. Anyone else? His sister? Uh, Can you say her name? I forget. Oh, no, you forget. I will strike a deal with you, my good man. Say her name, and I shall open this door, the mysterious door that has puzzled and tantalized you so. Roderick Usher's sister. The lady of the House of Usher. Oh, so close. Say the magic word, the name, and the door shall open. Her name was... Madeline. Yes, you've won the prize. Now allow me to open the door. Madeline. You've been listening to the National Edgar Allan Poe Theatre on the Air and part one of our production of The Fall of the House of Usher, adapted for radio by Richard Hand. The Fall of the House of Usher was directed by Alex Zavistovich and produced by Ty Ford, with the voices of Elliot Kashner, Carolyn Kashner, Brian McDonald, and Alex Zavistovich. Poe Theatre on the Air theme by Greg Martin. The National Edgar Allan Poe Theatre on the Air is sponsored in part by Baltimore's own Raven Beer, purveyors of Poe-inspired craft beer. More information can be found on the web at www.ravenbeer.com. More information on the National Edgar Allan Poe Theatre on the Air can be found at www.poetheatre.org. Until next time, this is Alex Avistovich reminding you that all that we see or seem is but a dream within a dream.